Hey friends, welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast during this season of Advent. My name is Steve Weens, and I'm a pastor and an author, but I'm also a Transforming Community alumnus from way back in 2011. As always, I'm alongside Transforming Center founder and my dear friend, Ruth Haley Barton, as we explore the themes of Advent as a season of transformation, in which we invite the presence of Christ's light into the darkness. We'd like to invite you to consider using these episodes as spiritual practices during the season of Advent. So maybe consider lighting a candle and listening to them in a quiet place in your home instead of listening while driving or exercising. You might also consider listening to each week's scripture passages daily, even after you've listened to the content of each episode. If you'd like to listen to an audio file of the scriptures only for each of the weeks of Advent, simply go to the episode notes and find the link. Lastly, we hope you'll head on over to transformingcenter.org patron and consider becoming a patron of our podcast. If you do so at any level, you'll receive a free download of the Reflections for Cycle B for Advent so you can follow along as we have our conversations in each episode. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy this week's episode. 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 through 11 and 16. Now when the king was settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed the judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house, your house, and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Luke chapter 1, verses 46b through 55. My soul magnifies the Lord, 
and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God, then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Welcome everybody to the fourth Sunday of Advent here in Cycle B or Year B. Uh, this one is Mary in the Prayer of Indifference. Whew, yeah. Can't wait to go there. This is my favorite. I know it is, and it's one of mine too. <laughs> uh, but before we go there, as has been our tradition these last few weeks, let's reflect on what what are some of the 
passages that have shimmered for, for you? I'll go first this time, maybe yes, just for should. fun. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so for me, the second Samuel passage is sort of an odd one to see here in Advent. It doesn't seem like it fits, but I think it does. Uh, but the, the verses that shimmered for me were from verse five. This is second Samuel seven, uh, go and tell my servant, David, thus says the Lord, are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I've been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And I think what that says to me is just the critical importance of, you know, the temptation for all of us to build something solid that doesn't move so that we can count on God always showing up in the same exact way that God always has mm-hmm. versus having to move and become and expand in order to follow where God is going. That's an Advent theme for me. And that's mm-hmm. a theme for the, our whole, you know, cycle of seasons. But yeah. um, I, I really like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's a playfulness in that one too. Like, yeah. are you, <laughs> I haven't lived in a house since. Oh, that's great. What about well, you, Ruth? And you what, what's so interesting yeah. in this COVID season too, is that we are having to learn that churches are not about buildings because nobody no. can go to one, you know? No. God is not in a building. I mean, literally in COVID, God and the community of faith are not in buildings. You know, we're finding all these new ways to be in God and in church. And and God's leading the way right here in this passage by saying, I'm not going to let myself get tied down, you know, to one building and one house. Right? Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so what what shimmered for you? Which passage or passages shimmered for you? You know, depending on what, you know, on what, um, cycle you're in. Sometimes it's Joseph that gets emphasized and Joseph's story. And then sometimes it's Mary and her story that gets more space, more yeah. exposure. And this is definitely Mary's year. Yeah. Um, and Mary teaches us about discernment and discerning the will of God in our lives and being faithful to the will of God in our lives. And um, I don't think I'll ever plumb the depths of her statement. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word the depth of her indifference there in the face of a very challenging um, invitation. It wasn't even an invitation. It already happened. I mean, you know, um, and she, she just accepts what God's mm-hmm. planning to do in and through her life, even though it was incredibly inconvenient. It was going to ruin her love life. Um, it was going to make her an outcast in her community. There's no way anybody around her was going to be able to understand at least in the short term, the will of God in her life. And yet she's still so willing, you know, to go where yeah. God's going and to be a part of God's plan in whatever way he asked her to be. And so if there's anybody in scripture that s- sort of embodies discernment, the ability to, to hear discern the will of God and then to do it and to be indifferent to anything but the will of God, it is Mary. And for that reason and that reason alone, she deserves our respect. And I Big know time. that our, us, we as Protestants don't, you know, we're very uncomfortable with too much Mary. Um, yeah. And we're uncomfortable with, you know, veneration or anything like that. But um, Mary deserves something. She deserves our respect. Let's just at least put it that way. I agree. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Uh, let it be done. Here am, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. There's an agency there that mm-hmm. feels powerful yeah. and humble at the same time. You yeah. Know? And she goes through a lot of emotion, in, at least in the Luke 
account yeah. um, because it says that she's at first of all she's perplexed and then the angel is telling her not to be afraid so she was probably um experiencing some fear and who wouldn't yeah. um and then she has a sense of impossibility but she wrestles with that for nothing shall be impossible with god um the angel tells her so she's clearly you know wrestling with impossibility um and then finally she comes to this place of just utter openness and utter abandonment to God. So a lot of emotion, we get to see a lot of her emotion too, and just how she moves through her emotions to a place of being open and willing. So I, I think it shows us that there is a process to coming to indifference to anything but the will of God. And thanks be to God, in this case, it was an angel, but in our case, it's the Holy Spirit uh, really accompanies us in that journey and is very present with us on our journey towards indifference to anything but the will of God. Well, and so let's, it's such an important aspect of discernment, any kind of movement toward uh, accepting God's will for your life. But I don't think you've, at least in this episode, identified like, what is your, what is your definition of indifference? Because it's not mm -hmm. apathy. It's very different than that. Yeah. I mean, I think we think of indifference in our cultural use of that language as being about apathy or not caring as a very kind of negative thing. It means someone doesn't care and they're disengaged. But in the language of our spiritual formation and the language of spiritual discernment, it really speaks to being indifferent to anything but the will of God. Um, so it means that we're indifferent to matters of our own comfort or safety. We're not uh, thinking so much about ego gratification. We're giving up appearances. We're indifferent to that. We're indifferent to our own pleasure. Um, and we're even indifferent to what our own personal preferences are and what it is that we think we want. It is a state of wide openness to God in which we are free from undue attachment to outcomes. And um, we have the capacity to relinquish anything that might keep us from choosing for God and God's will and God's loving plan. So Mary uh, is the quintessential outside of Jesus himself. Hers is the clearest expression of this spiritual dynamic that we would call indifference. Of course, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane um, when he was praying for the cup to pass from him. And then he said, not my will, but thine be done. That's also a prayer of indifference, which I believe, you know, really reflects his own mother's commitment, the essence of who his own mother was. I think he learned from his mother. He was a child who learned. And so um, in that way, Mary models it for us all. She married, she models indifference. Um, so as, as it has to do with discernment, there are really two aspects of indifference. One is the prayer for indifference, where we realize we're not indifferent to anything but the will of God. So we pray, we say, oh God, please help me. I know that I have all my own strong opinions and preferences yep. and my attachments, but I want to be indifferent to anything but your will. Would you please do that work in me? Um, and then there's the prayer of indifference. The prayer for indifference prepares us to actually be able to pray the prayer of indifference. Um, and that is not my will, but thine be done. Be be mm -hmm. with, with me according to your will. Um, so I believe that this prayer of indifference carries us across the threshold from human discernment or human decision-making to spiritual discernment, because then we are wide open to whatever it is that God has to say, whatever it is that God wants to do in and through our lives, we are indifferent to anything but the will of God. So um, this is a really deep and rich part of the Advent journey, and that is coming to a place of indifference to anything but, uh, but the will of God. And then once we know God's will, though, we're anything but indifferent then we're yeah. passionate and we're committed and nothing can take us off track because we, we know now what we're doing in God's presence. 
Ruth, in your own experience of moving through the prayer for indifference mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and of indifference, can you talk about what is the quality of emotion when you're praying the prayer for indifference? Mm-hmm. You know, like for you, is it anxious? Is it like, what is it when you know you're not indifferent yet, but you mm-hmm. want to be? Well, part of it is the longing, you know, the longing yeah. to be made free, because I think it, it is a place of freedom to, to want nothing more than the will of God. And so and when I say interior freedom, I really mean it that there's a sense of being free interiorly to, to, to be moved wherever God wants to move you. Um, it used to cause me more angst, you know, to see the fact that I wasn't indifferent. It's hard for a mature Christian to admit I'm not indifferent to anything, but the will of yeah. God, the truth is I want my own will. You yes, know? Yes. And I think many of us don't even acknowledge it because we're so uncomfortable with that reality. So many yeah. people pretend like they're indifferent when they're, or they use indifference kind of language and they're really not indifferent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but now I feel a sense of um, peace or freedom or non-anxiousness when I know I'm not indifferent, but I know that indifference is God's work to do, that mm-hmm. human beings cannot by force of will make themselves indifferent. Only God can do that. It's a work of God. It's a spiritual work of God. And all I can do is open to it and wait for it. So there's some peace for me now in that, that I, I'm no longer working so hard to make something happen, but I'm willing to, to just open that desire up to God and trust him. And so all I do really is, you know, I'm praying all the time, you know, that, you know, um, mm. God make me indifferent to anything but your will. And then I just kind of keep checking in with my soul and to see if any shifts have taken place. And eventually, usually there's a shift that mm-hmm. makes it possible for me to be indifferent to anything but the will of God. But it is an inner shift that I do not accomplish. Only mm-hmm. God could do it as I open. So you have to be patient and wait mm-hmm. for that shift to happen. You can't That's force right. it. You can't That's pretend right. that it's happened before it's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're doing this with a group of people, <laughs> does that, the pace of it has to be probably at the slowest level, right? I mean, like that's probably, well, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a big, that's another big topic right there about what happens when we try to discern God's will together and the process of sharing about indifference within a group. But, but even between spouses or whatever, um, people are in different places in their ability to be indifferent to anything but the will of God. And so we do have to be patient with ourselves and patient with each other. If there are Mm -hmm. people that we're trying to discern with. Mm Mm-hmm. Are there mantras that we've talked about mantras earlier, just certain brief breath prayers that help you when you're trying to, well, trying, is that the wrong word when you're waiting for the opening yourself up to be, to being made indifferent? Mm -hmm. Um, no, I think, um, I mean, obviously not my will, but thine be done. Sure. I think that that can be prayed as a breath prayer Mm -hmm. before we've even been made indifferent, you know? It can, mm. it, it can become an aspirational type of prayer, not my will on the inhale, but, but thy will be done on the exhale and make it aspirational. Know that it's not true necessarily yeah. yet, but that that is your intention and you're praying it with faith that God's going to be able to do that for you and in you. And then can I ask Ruth too, like, what's the quality of 
your soul and your spirit when you do feel that shift. And you've, well, you said it feels like freedom. I think for many of us, like we're afraid of that. Like if we abandon ourselves to God, we're going to be miserable because we're going to, yeah. we're not going to get what we want and we're going to get what we don't want, you know, and that's an mm -hmm. old trope I know, but I think many of us are stuck there. So mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about how you've experienced the freedom as a way of inspiring some of us to make that journey. Well, I think there's some really deep work that God does in us over time as we live and walk with God intimately and we learn more about who God is and God's good intentions towards us. And we internalize the message that God has plans for us that are good and not for evil so that when we are trusting ourselves to God, we know that we're trusting ourselves to a good God. There's deep, I would say, theological, but also emotional and psychological work and spiritual work that brings us to a place of really believing that God's will for us is good, that God's will is the best thing that can happen to us under any circumstance. But that's part of the spiritual life of, of growth. I mean, that's growth. That's not just a one and done sort of thing. That's a an unfolding of a relationship over time that you grow to trust more and more as time goes by. And that's why you'll sometimes see in in really mature Christians who have been on a real spiritual journey um, that you'll see a given overness to them, a, an ability to be given over to God that's different than what maybe you, you're able to accomplish in your youth with all of its passion and desire and all of that, that the, the longer we go with God in this love relationship, the more we trust with peace that God's plans for us are good. So that's just mm -hmm. a, a really deep and significant part of the spiritual journey. Yeah. Reminds me of that sort of picture of sort of, you know, Moses and God sitting on the front porch. They've, they've, they've burned out all their early passions, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and now they can sit with one another and be at peace, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, and Moses beautiful. trusts in that moment that God's instruction to him or his, you know, announcement that Moses could look, but not go in that mm -hmm. Moses trusts that even in that there's goodness for him. You know, because he's been yeah. giving himself to God all the way along and learning about God's goodness all the way along. And so now when God says, you know, you're, you can look, but, but you're not going to go in. Moses has a really deep kind of acceptance that, well, God must know best and I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good with that. You know, cause I trust God in my life after all these years of walking together, I know God's got me. And so it's a very peaceful kind of existence, but I'm telling you, it takes time and, and serious spiritual clearing out to get to that place with God. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard one in terms of experience and wilderness. That's right. Mm -hmm. And know. maybe even some psychological work that people have to do because a lot of our, our experiences with will and desire are shaded and shaped by whether the people that that were our most intimate caregivers in the beginning were people who were good to us. So if we had mm -hmm. a mother or a father who was mean or violent or withholding, there could be some really deep psychological patterns that we're stuck in where we, we simply cannot believe that a caregiver, someone who loves us is going to be good to us, is capable of being good to us, has the power to be good for us. Um, and so there's some psychological healing of, of long-term brokenness that might need to be done in order to trust God in this way. This is not, this is not for the faint of heart right here. Yeah. And I think what you just described is true for most of us on at least some degree, you know, most of us have pain, because we were raised by human mm -hmm. parents or parent with their weaknesses and limits and mm -hmm. and ways of being in the world. And then we developed our own strategies for survival, you know, maintaining power and security, mm -hmm. affirmation, success, whatever. 
And so we need to, yeah, I, I like the, I like the encouragement to do some psychological work to stop and, and get some therapy if needed and, and do some deep yeah. soul work before. That's right. You know, because I, I think it's, it just strikes me, it'd be so easy for an earnest follower of Christ to want the prayer of indifference without, yes. <laughs> you know, without really mm -hmm. doing the work to do it authentically. Yeah. And, and to think that it's true even. I mean, because yeah. sometimes we can be so deceived about how far along we really are on the journey that we could even have deceived ourselves about whether yeah. or not we want the will of God more than anything else. For um, sure. You could say the words, you could you know, all that you can convince yourself, but deep down inside, there can also be a certain willfulness that we're still, still stuck in. Before we move to, you know, the silence and prayer, Ruth, is there anything else about the prayer for indifference that is just on your heart to say? Anything that we missed? Well, I will also say, and I don't want this to make it sound scary or anything like that, but indifference will all, often bring us to a place of death to self in some way, um, but only death to that which is false within us, that, that which is false and inauthentic. It's not death to anything true. It's just death to that which is already known to be false within us. And so, um, you know, there will sometimes be a spiritual death or dying, a letting go of something like like the deaths that the, the small deaths that you're experiencing right now, Steve, as you go through this time of hiddenness, every time you choose not to put yourself out there or draw attention to yourself or whatever, there's a small death that takes place. And it's, but it's the death to what's false. And then typically on the other side of that, you feel a new level of freedom because you have let go. Um, and so we can expect that we can expect that there Will, will come some small spiritual deaths that will need to take place. And even in Jesus' life, Jesus had a preference in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was very clear about saying it. He had the preference that um, this cup would pass. In other words, is there any other way we can do this, God, besides having me die a humbling death on a cross? Jesus would have preferred something else. But once he and, and God wrestle it to the ground, then he says, not my will, but thine. And he gets right up and he faces resolutely towards Jerusalem where she's where he knows this will take place. And so even Jesus had to die to something, die, die to his own preference to do it a, another way in order for the will of God to come forth in his life. So I'm so glad um, that is in the scriptures as well. Mm -hmm. Like that preference that Jesus yeah. names. I'm so glad that they, we get led into that little secret. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful. Well, thanks for that, Ruth. Um, well, why don't you lead us into, um, how you'd like to close us, maybe through a practice and then through some silence and in a prayer. Well, it might be good for us as we light our candle and let's go ahead and do that. Go ahead and light our candle as a, as a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit with us as we sit in silence and then, you know, get into that bodily position, feet flat on the floor, hands open on your lap back straight, breathe deeply, just as a way of uh, breathing out the cares of this world and this day and breathing in the presence of the Spirit. And then as we enter into this prayer, think about a place in your own life where you feel that you're less than ready or maybe even resistant to giving yourself over to God in a particular place of decision-making or discernment, a place where you know you're hanging on to something some sort of outcome or some sort of benefit for yourself or some sort of ego gratification and you're just kind of holding on um, 
And yet underneath that, you also have a sense of your desire for indifference to anything but the will of God. So now let's hear this ancient prayer from Charles de Foucauld. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me whatever you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and I so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands, without reserve and with boundless confidence. For you are my Father.
Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. We're currently accepting applications for our next Transforming Communities Spiritual Formation Experience for Christian Leaders. You can explore the next Transforming Community by visiting transformingcenter.org slash transformingcommunity. The music on this episode comes from a recording produced by the Transforming Center called Advent, Music and Solitude. The scriptures on this week's episode were read by Mary Martin Weens. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review wherever you listen. And please also consider supporting us by becoming a patron by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron.